Hey, what's up, guys? It's Rico here, CEO of Swiss in Asia, co-host of the main channel podcast and the Swiss in Asia YouTube channel. Back with another one, and I'm here with a coveted guest who's been on the podcast probably, I mean, we have to, we were trying to figure it out before the show started, but I would say at, at least five times, uh, maybe more. Uh, it's Michael Michelini. As I've told you guys before, if you're not aware, you can go listen to the previous episodes that we've done. He is the reason, not one of the reasons why, why I moved to China because I was listening to the Global From Asia podcast prior to coming to China. And I was, you know, picking up some tips and stuff like that and how to awesome. run businesses and things like this. So it was kind of strange the first time I met him because I was like, I've been listening to this dude's podcast for like two years <laughs> and I just met him and I was like, all right. And then when we started working together, that was even stranger for me. But, that, you know, that's the, that's how life goes. And uh, I mean, it was awesome experience. And obviously now we're business friends, but also just friends. And we also share birthdays around the same time we haven't yeah. had a chance to celebrate together but eventually we will so welcome back to the show mike thank you so much rico man i love the i'm happy to hear the show honestly man it's, especially the last couple of years right like with covid it's been mm -hmm. harder to i'm even behind on recordings uh my show lately you know same it's not, same we were it's inconsistent hard, man, with our right? releases well, yeah, I mean, hearing that, the, the motive gets me motivated again. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. Actually, just going off of the last thing that you said, like, I honestly, we didn't release episodes consistently for like months, like maybe even a year. Sometimes we'd go two, three months without releasing things like that. And then on the YouTube, the same thing. I would say that I was still creating content because we did the digital summit thing. So that, that yeah, took yeah. a lot of my focus and I recorded how many hours? I would say I probably recorded close to 20 hours of content for that. And then we had to edit it and all that stuff. So it was like, that took a lot of work. But in terms of the YouTube and, and podcasts, no, we, we're not releasing. There's a couple different reasons. I think obviously COVID is a big factor because I, I like to, I used to like to do a lot of some of my interviews in person and also just people being in different time zones. Like a lot of people that I used to interview used to be in Asia, but they're not in Asia right now. So it makes it difficult to, to kind of link up. I don't know if you've, if this happened to you as well, but I found that like pre-COVID world, when I was going around all the time and active, I felt like I was talking to more people, if that makes sense. Like I felt like I was talking to more of my, so, you know, you have your core group of friends or family, and then you have like, you know, a, another circle around that. And then you have the periphery people and new people that you meet, right? Yeah. So I felt like I was more communicative with everyone before. Whereas like during COVID, I found that I only talk with a few people. I'm saying the same thing. I Maybe we all feel guilty or, or don't say it. But yeah, I'm just saying, man, I'm totally feeling like I, I guess I'm also in China, which I know you want to talk about. But yeah, I just feel yeah. like uh, I'm not sure if it's just me or because I'm in China or I'm also a dad with kids. I, I don't know. Man. I'm hearing coming from you, too, is, is a little bit reassuring. Uh, at least it's not just me. 
but yeah, I think it's I, I think it's partly like the isolation, right? Like being in you know at home all the time and all that stuff is like you end up just kind of like I remember at the beginning we used to do all these like Zoom happy hour stuff where we would we would have like you know five, six, seven people that we used to hang out and stuff. These are not necessarily close friends, but you know uh, people that I used to hang out with, and we would all grab drinks and for like an hour and just talk on Zoom. But uh, I mean that stuff kind of got old real quick because it's not the same as being at a bar or uh, being at a restaurant um, and then eventually you kind of lose touch with those people but of course i'm still talking to my core group of people on a regular basis so yeah i think that's a big part of the reason why i wasn't releasing as much content because a lot of times when i would meet people it's um, true i would meet people and then they'll be like hey you should meet this guy and then i'll find out like this guy is like whatever entrepreneur in this space which is relevant to what i do or he's just an interesting person and, and i want to talk to him about his work and things like that so and then that, that's how those interviews would end up getting set up so but you know i'm happy right now i'm trying to get back into a regular release schedule and okay. that's part of the reason why uh you know i wanted to interview great man thanks yeah yeah i'm happy to be on the show and uh it's true though, like just to re- yeah, I think we're both saying the same thing, but it's true. Like when we were traveling, meeting new people, making intros, getting inspiration for content ideas or, or connections, you know, like it's uh, it's much more right now. You have to be very, it, you know, like randomly bump into ideas and people, right? Like at least for me. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, you have to kind of really hard push yourself to uh, think about it. So what have you been up to since the last podcast we did? I believe the last podcast would have been at least six months to a year ago. I know. I guess I need to know the date. I can't recall. Just generally, well, well maybe you look it up. I'm here in Shenzhen. I, I know I, I spent about a year and a half up in northeast Dongbei. They call it in Chinese of China, east, north Dongbei. And I... Um, oh, when did you move back to Shenzhen? I came back here at the end of the summer last year to get my kids into this school honestly it's really been funny is i kind of feel like i went right back to where i was before not even before covid but i moved to thailand and i came right back to shenzhen right back to futian you know we, we had done some shows you, you came by my my like studio at home before and uh, i'm not august, even that far from that area august 5th 2021 so i life, think i was life and business in china today with my might be just before I left Shenyang then, I think. I feel like that was right around when I was leaving the Northeast after a year and a half there. Oh. And I think, I remember the show we did, I think uh, the podcast we did in person. I don't know, there was probably even another show between that one. But yeah, like a year and a half, I was in Shenyang. And now I've been in, in uh, Shenzhen almost a year now. August will be a year. And basically for my kids school. And also I, I was, I've been always working, not always, you know, as you know, I'm in e-commerce, a lot of listeners and people are, but um, I was working with another aggregator and they were opening up in China last year was when everything was going crazy about aggregators. I know you also were at a panel at the cross-border matchmaker. I want to invite you to that again. We're going to do it again uh-huh. in June, but uh, last year was the crazy aggregator investment Everybody was trying to do roll-up funds of Amazon FBA businesses last year. So I was, I think the last time we were talking about, I was I was really deep into the aggregator world of Amazon businesses, and mm-hmm. that's changed a lot. And I could talk about that now or later, but that's not the same. 
we all felt like it was totally hyped and too much money going into it. And it seems like those that thought that were right. Do you want to dive into it? Sure. Yeah, we can go right now. You know, I think right now there's massive. Uh, I'm not I'm not officially working with an aggregator right now. You know, I was consulting, advising a couple over the years. I think you knew some. And for now, I'm not officially with uh, with any. Of course, I know so many of them and it's just become part of my brand. But they're all really uh, restructuring right now because uh-huh. I think there was just too much investment money into it. And now they are, uh, I think, have a little bit more pressure this year in 2022 to show some ROI and some growth. I think it's really hard to manage even one brand on Amazon, never mind like 10, 15, 20. So I think they're um, yeah. kind of facing reality right now and uh, investment money is well, stopped and things like the that. The aggregator that you're you're referencing before, I think they actually wanted to buy, I don't know if the owner was 100% serious, but they wanted to buy my company because I think one of the issues that they, they were having is like, they just didn't know how to source product. Like they could do it, but they weren't getting the best deals, the structuring and things like that, because there's so many different ways. Like if you work with a professional trading company, that's legit. Or if you know how to do it yourself, little subtle ways that you can save money, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Or get better deals or get, uh, figure out your shipping issues and things like that. I had gotten offers that go from Asia too. I mean, last year was just insanity. They were just trying to buy every, everything, you know, like, I think maybe, of course, there's good and bad of selling or not. Maybe we, I guess it seems like he didn't do it. But yeah, I mean, we could have gotten obviously money up front, but probably would have gotten pulled into some crazy, complicated situation that's well, not working other, out right now. <laughs> well, the other requirement would have been that I would have, I would have had to stay on for like two years and uh, and basically run the company, but be an employee of the, of the aggregator. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't want to do that. You know, the reason why I got into business was freedom. So exactly, I, I don't want somebody telling me what time I go to the office. You know what I mean? Exactly. Same, same, same. So, yeah, so I've been, uh, you know, still kind of the grind. Uh, you know, I still, I do some training and consulting within e-commerce, Amazon, online marketing, even getting a little bit more into crypto web three which is dangerous to talk about in China. You know, I know we want to talk about some things in China, but it's just honestly... Generally, it just feels like more and more risky to be high profile in China about anything, you know, like even those influence Chinese influencers got in trouble about taxes, you know, uh, I don't know when that was, but that happened, I think, since our last call. I just yeah. feel like right now, everything is just sensitive in China, you know, like everything. <laughs> well, I feel like it's been building into this like crescendo, you know what I mean? Because I feel like it started. So I moved to China in 2014. I feel like I started to feel this squeeze in about 2017. Yeah. 2017 is when I noticed a lot of small things, small rules and things like that, specifically around foreigners. I think that's when they introduced that whole um, system of rating foreigners and stuff, like depending on your education and, and, you know, what nationality you are and God knows who else, what else they're (laughs) rating on. But yeah, I feel like it was like 2017 when I started to see those things and then a lot of expats started leaving. People that have been living in China for 10 plus years, 15 years, whatever, started leaving 2017, 2018. And then my friends started leaving and there was less people coming in as well to exactly. come and live there. And then, yeah, those 
just like all these small things that they started adding. And then I remember in 20, 2019, I left for two months because I was traveling. I was in the Philippines. Uh, I went to Zambia and then I came back to China and they had introduced this whole new system at the airport, which like you had to go scan your thumb, thumbprints and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, so like, now, mm-hmm. you know, they have my fingerprints in the system. And then if that's okay, like if you're okay with the thumbprint thing, then you go to the immigration spot. And then the immigration, it was like all of a sudden they're asking me a million different questions, which before it was more random. Like it was more of a random thing that they would pull people aside or just like talk to them at the at the window. But like now I noticed it was every single foreigner was being asked the same questions. And I was like, what is going on here, man? Like, why, why are you, everybody, really? You're going to ask everybody like, for all this information, all these details, like, <laughs> like if the dude has a legitimate visa, like, I mean, just what, what is the, you know, anyways, I just, I just know that that was the moment where I was like, oh yeah, I need, like, I already thought about it before that I wanted to move to the Philippines and stuff, but I was like, oh yeah, I definitely have to get out of China as quickly as possible because I don't know what's going on here, but they definitely don't want foreigners here <laughs> right now. Yeah, yeah. I could, you know, that's why it's just insane. I came back because like you know i mean we talk about on the shows for those who listened and i was in thailand i think even before you i can't remember i'm not trying to compare but i think i was in thailand maybe before or around when you were leaving or thinking about leaving oh no way way before you i actually when did you move to thailand because like i started thinking about 2018 2018. okay so i when i came to philippines on vacation in january 2018 that's when i thought about it and decided but you moved before me because I know that Mike also moved. He was in Thailand in 2017 through. Yeah, like, I met him. I met him there. Yeah. When I say Mike, to avoid confusion, I'm China talking about Mike. China, Mike, my business partner. Not Michelini. Yeah. That's why I call Michelini Michelini because it's easier for me to distinguish. But yeah, no, you moved way before me. I was jealous. I was very jealous. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned being a high profile person is becoming more and more of a risk but you are a high profile person i'm being less uh, high profile maybe because you become a, a dad i think some of it's because of that maybe but i don't know mm. or maybe it's the china maybe it's the lockdown it's just kind of a mix like you just don't want to stick your head out and ch- at least i feel as much here on the just, chopping block it just feels dangerous to really do something so whole high. Of course, I share sometimes in my WeChat moments and I put, uh, I still have this. Of course, we don't put every podcast on the on the WeChat, but um, it just feels a little bit more like I just feel like less. I don't want to even use that word, but I feel like I have to just be less open about what I say and what I promote than ever. Do you think the the CCP would be like going through your old podcasts and like, oh, he talked about this and he talked about that? Like, you know, my wife, I like obviously I'm living with my, my wife. Luckily, we're together during this COVID time. There's some that are still separated, if you can believe that. But um, so I'm fortunate mm-hmm. for that. So but I mostly talk to her and she always thinks I'm overreacting. They're not that they look through everything. But I will say, like, if they want to find something on somebody, I guess that could happen anywhere in the world, right? You know, there's that John McAfee yeah. story about the suicide in prison in, in Europe or wherever it was. And, you know, I don't yeah. want to get into that. But, you know, you, you'll never know what happens behind closed doors and stuff. But I'm sure they can find something on anybody, right? But, of course, for me, my life is basically still mostly online. Yeah, I mean, I, I've thought about it as well. Like, sometimes when, 
in, in the past, even when me and Mike would be doing podcasts, uh, China Mike would be doing podcasts and we would be talking about a sensitive subject around China. And we would be like, should we say this? Like, you know, we'd have like, okay, we'll say it and then we'll think about it and then cut it out maybe and stuff like that. Most of the stuff we kept in, like I'd say 90% of the stuff we kept in because we started thinking to ourselves, like, do they really have time to be looking at a podcast with like, at the time, I'll say 10,000 subscribers. I don't, and most of them foreigners anyways. So it's like, you know, most of the, the, our subscribers are outside of China. So I don't even know if it's an issue for us. But um, yeah, I mean, for you, it's a little bit different. The reason why I mentioned for anybody that doesn't know, I always say um, Michelini is like the most famous uh, foreigner that I know in China, like with all the people in the business world in China, whether it's local or foreign, um, especially in and around Southern China. Obviously, you know, Global from Asia is organizing events, the, the summit, um, tours, uh, connections to how to register your company, all this stuff. So, you know, he is high profile in China, like physically in China. So that's why I asked that question. Basically, the, the vibe from everybody is it's just much more restrictive. And even mm. WeChat groups, moderators are scared because there's they they basically i don't know there's been various notices or alerts like if something happens in a group it, it's i, I don't want to say it exactly incorrectly but there's basically this general unclarity of the liability of the group owner uh mm. of what the people in the groups say or do there's various moderators some take it more serious than others but um i think like like Five, 10 years ago, we knew that there was not allowed to say stuff, but we would just feel like the worst that could happen is we get deleted. But now it just feels like it's more like it's not just deleted. It's like they will maybe talk to you about it. <laughs> <laughs> you might get you might uh, you might get pulled aside one day and like, hey, let me talk to you for a second. <laughs> hey, 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 buddy. How, how are you doing? Um, speaking of that. Oh, did I tell you about the the time when uh, when COVID was happening and I was messaging one of the group chats I was in, um, for, like there was a group chat that I was in for soccer. I used to play soccer every week. Yeah, I mean, I remember the soccer, but I don't remember the story. I mean, uh, I'm interested so in ba- listeners too. Basically, like, I was genuinely concerned because like, you know, there wasn't much news coming. I, if, if we time traveled back to 2020, around March, April, there wasn't much news coming out of China in terms of what was actually going on. And then I'm hearing like different kinds of reports from, you know, whatever, BBC, CNN, whatever, like the some YouTube bloggers and stuff. But so I was like, okay, let me talk to like my guys because, uh, you know, I, these are not my close friends, but I, I've played soccer with them for like a year. Or so I'm like, all right, like they should, should be able to tell me what's going on. So I just messaged and I said, hey, guys, like I'm hearing this, this and that. Maybe some of the stuff that I said might have been somewhat controversial, but I, I was trying to clarify if it's true one chinese dude messaged in the group and was like it was almost like it was like a light threat (laughs) it was like uh let's respect the will of the chinese government and not talk about these kind of topics something something like that like it was a weird it was such a weird sentence like it was so strange that i was like oh this is a threat. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm not going to say anything anymore about this shit in this group chat at least. But like, yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I don't know if that was a, a bot or if it was an actual person. I, I fucking have no idea, man. 
and no, nobody else <laughs> talk, talked about COVID in that group after that. Besides the besides the rules about playing soccer, like you have to bring. I mean that that was a shit that when I found out about that later, that kind of made me go crazy. It was like, yo, they have to they had to go and like bring ID to play football. <laughs> like to play soccer, you have to bring an ID, and it was like all these like rules. I was like, oh my god, what is going on? That is scary. I um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, this is just the vibe now. You know, like even in the good old days here, you know, you still would get kind of a mm. slap, a slight warning, maybe from a Chinese friend or even a foreigner, like don't say that kind of stuff, don't do that. But it's like yeah. a different vibe now, man. <laughs> it's not that kind yeah, of. Yeah, I mean, it was it was vibe. way it was more always like, like that, you know, but. It was way more chilled then. Like, of course, you knew that you're not supposed to go deep into politics. I mean, that was like one of the things I probably heard on your podcast before I came to China. I was like, don't talk politics with Chinese Exactly. People. And yeah, was I was like, all right. I've always tried to say that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd never talk politics with Chinese people. I never. It was just, to me, I didn't even think it was politics. I was just asking out of like concern. You know what I mean? It was like, what's going on? I'm trying to understand what's actually going on on the ground from a group of people that I've spent quite a bit of time with. Right. So, and it was, and the reason why I asked that group is because it was a mix of people. It was a mix of foreigners, locals, whatever, like different countries, all that stuff. So it was like, yeah, if, if living in different parts of the city as well. So I was like, okay, if I'm going to get an accurate uh, vibe of what's happening in Guangzhou right now, or at least Southern China, this is the group that I should go to. But you know, apparently I was wrong. <laughs> so, okay, transitioning from that, like speaking of COVID, I think one of the main things I wanted to talk to you about was, you know, the lockdown in Shanghai. You know, what are your thoughts? Obviously, you don't have to, we just talked about not talking about politics, so you don't have to go so deep into it. But like, I think just getting a sort of boots on the ground, you're in the Southern China, Shanghai is closer to Northern China, but just your thoughts and, and you know, what's happening. Because I, for me, from my perspective, I've... You know, I've seen some Reddit stuff. I've seen the the drones. I've heard about, you know, really long extended lockdown there. And it's also affected my business as well. We had productions that were done, that were stuck for like a month. We couldn't QC them. We couldn't ship them out. I haven't had too much experience with it. You know, I have friends there. And I think it's just like what we've been saying. Like people are just paranoid to say stuff even to yeah. their friends on chats because we can't meet face to face. But yeah. generally there was this scare about food, at least for a little while. I think that, I mean, I was locked down in Shenzhen. I don't know if I told you, but basically a month in my, in my apartment in March of 2022, just a couple months, not even a couple months but, ago. Could you leave at all or could Couldn't you get food delivered? Garden complex. You know, you're in the garden, but could you get you food go delivered? downstairs into the garden, but you couldn't leave the gates and you had to get tests every single day. I missed a couple and then they track you and there's QR codes. I mean, it's like super big data here, man. So, I mean, as far as in Shenzhen, yeah, I mean. Could you get deliveries though? Like deliveries? I couldn't get samples. I'm working on a brand. I think I might have told you doing a case study on, well, it's not just for the content of the show, but we're doing a whole new brand, Excalibur Brothers. I couldn't even get samples delivered. It's it's like SF Express couldn't deliver, but like food could be delivered or stuff was just stuck everywhere for Mm. me in Shenzhen. And mostly of March, but there was never really a food issue. There was sometimes some online stores that had not everything you wanted. And you had to kind of bounce around a couple of different online food sites. 
so we had it was very light scare it was almost like a joke it wasn't i don't we never had a food delivery issue in Shenzhen, but i heard a little bit like that in shanghai i don't know it seems like the difference in shanghai was the the the, the, the logistics had more troubles i don't mm. know what difference of the lockdown there versus here but there was some kind of like a supply chain issue both local and seems of course the ships i saw pictures infographics and stuff of tons and tons of like containers all around the city ports not being able to dock or pick up or load or whatever mm-hmm. the drop off whatever but yeah of course there was some scare of food for a little while for the beginning and then i saw some crazy videos you probably seen too of like people getting put into these like expo center centers I, there was a story of a shanghai expo you know you go to like a imagine going to like canton fair yeah. and then suddenly they just locked everybody in you couldn't leave so there's all these crazy stories and that they seem so generally real. There was some false information being shared, though, you know, just to balance it. Like, I would contact my friend, even in Shenzhen, about a certain district. They said they closed the whole neighborhood. You know how there's like those like local villages, not like the herb, not like the new village, new buildings, but those like small little tight communities, you know, they're yep. jam packed. Yep. So they said that everybody in there had to go to like some kind of a hospital compound, uh, like on the other side of the city in Shenzhen. I had a barber there that, you know, I got my haircut there sometimes in Shenzhen and I sent him the Chinese message I got. And he's like, no, that's, that's not true. So there yeah. was like, I don't know why people do that, but there was false information being shared. Well, I mean, people always, people always exaggerate. You know what I mean? Uh, there's a lot mm-hmm. of people that exaggerate. And then also at the same time, we have to realize like there's other countries that are involved that have their own um, self-interest. So they might, say more they might add more fuel yep. to the fire but yeah i mean i just heard a lot it's a little bit about the food and it seemed somewhat verifiable of course obviously if it was us as expats we can get it they said also old people didn't know how to use like online e-commerce right they just always go down to those villages downstairs yep. to the markets to get vegetables and stuff the other issue i think they said was because i think it's true in shenzhen too that's why i'm confused but they said they don't really order fresh deliveries there. A lot of people still just go to get food every day downstairs, right? They're not used to like stocking up on food, like dry food or, or like canned food or, or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was uh, there was the stories, but I, I stopped hearing about it. But basically, yeah, they were locked in there. Some people even two months. Yeah, I've heard that's, that's mostly what, around that's a what month. I was hearing about. And yeah. some, people, like, some people passing away in their apartments and nobody knowing about it and stuff. This was wild stuff, but I mean, overall, you so you think, yeah, it was bad, but there's some reasons behind it. I fight with my wife about it. I'm still this Western Darwinism kind of person, you know. I know it, it sounds cruel and sick, but I still have that Darwin, you know. I think I'll just say Darwinism, survival right? the fittest, yeah. You know, I know it sounds horrible, it does sound horrible. <laughs> it's pretty dark, Mike. <laughs> but I mean, I think at least at this point and two years into the virus, it's, it's not yeah. as deadly, right? Like it's, it's still more deadly, I think, than normal flu. But people die of the flu in normal. Flu, yeah. flu. Actually, the flu, the flu kills more people than COVID. Per year. See, I don't yeah. know if that's totally that. I think that that depends on what level of COVID, because I think even flu is COVID. I think I'm not an expert, but why? Well, I- yeah, I, there I, is coronavirus, I but like I think we're, when we think about influenza as in the typical flu, it kills. Well, I don't know if the stats have changed in the last year because the last time I was reading about this, I try not to pay so much attention to the COVID stuff because it's like it's depressing. I'm like, you know, and there's nothing we can do about it. It's here, it's here to stay, it's not going anywhere. 
but in the last time I read about it was last year. And yeah, like the typical, there's like all these different codes for influenza, COVID, whatever. But the typical flu, the most consistent one that everybody gets usually once a year or twice a year uh, during flu season, kills more people than, well, at least them, killed more people per year than COVID. So it's just that COVID is like, I don't know, I guess COVID had... um, somewhat targeting specific types of people and it was a new it's a new strand and there was no clear idea how this affects people and all that stuff all these different side effects like because at least with the flu it's like with the typical flu you don't lose well, that time you didn't lose your sense of smell or taste or things like that right whereas with um, the previous strand of covid like you'd lose your sense of smell taste it was just different you know i told you i, I got covid and I, I lost my sense of smell which was really strange for me because I'm very, very sensitive when with my nose. Uh, like I smell like everything. I'll smell things from like a, a distance or whatever. Like my girlfriend get, gets freaked out sometimes where I'm like, I'm smelling something. She's like, what is that? And she's like, I, I'm like, can you smell it? She's like, no, I can't. And I'm like, then I'll like walk into the kitchen and find some <laughs> something, you know, Damn. like, it, yeah. So it was weird for me. But um, yeah, and so, I mean, yeah, I, I just, I look at it like that. Like it's like, it's just here and we have to deal with it and, you know, build up immunity and all these things. But yes, I, I, I agree. The, there is an aspect of survival of the fittest going on. We are overpopulated. I guess my answer is at this point, two years in, I, I would have, con- if I was the leaders of China, I would have voted towards letting it spread everywhere and a certain amount of people would unfortunately maybe not survive but life would go on i think that's kind of what the rest of the world has finally decided at this level but yeah, china I'm still wants you're, to... you're, you're on some thanos tip <laughs> not that i mean that's what the rest of the world look like again i've been stuck in china for two years but uh well, more than two years well is, i would but... say i don't i don't i don't know about the rest of the world but definitely north america and a lot of uh western european countries are kind of just like fuck it like you know that's just it is what it is. It's going to be around. And I think slowly but surely, some of the Asian countries like Philippines and things like that are beginning to come to that side of thought process of just like, we can't continue to be in lockdowns and things like that because it's just affecting so many other things. In fact, I remember there was an economist in the, on CNN who was talking about like, if we're in lockdowns for X amount of time, the economic damage is going to be worse in terms of people dying and people losing their jobs and it's homelessness and all this stuff, food shortages, than if people die from COVID. So it's one of those things where it's like, there's only a finite amount of time you could be in lockdowns before it actually starts to do more damage than COVID. So that that's the delicate balance. And it's like, nobody wants, well, maybe not nobody, but me and you are, nobody. we don't want people to die and, and get sick and die, but like, at the same time, we can't be, we can't be locked inside for you know two, three, four years, man. Yeah, exactly. Interesting because I, just going off of that thought process, I was listening to a podcast that uh, Chris Rock did, the comedian, and he was talking about you know his experiences during COVID. So it, like during COVID, he started doing a lot of therapy. He started spending more time with his kids and stuff. And he, one of the things he said is he realized like you realize during COVID what kind of house you've built you know what i mean what is the foundation of your house is it is it a straw house is it a brick house is it you know a concrete house 
and what he meant by that was like can you survive three months without working can you survive a year can you survive three years you know like that kind of stuff and then also you realize about your relationships as well because you're spending more time with your family now and it's like do you have a good relationship with your wife can you spend six months three months locked in with your wife every day you know because a lot of times like people don't actually spend that much time with their family like you see each other in the morning uh you see each other in the evening and then you know on the weekends maybe you might spend the day together but like when you start spending every day together can you actually sustain that do you actually have a good rapport things like that so he was saying that's some of the stuff that he learned about himself is like he built a good foundation because even though he was locked in with um, his kids because uh, he's divorced and then obviously he's a fucking multi 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 millionaire so it's like he was like i could not work for the next three years it wouldn't be a problem for me but you know for a lot of his friends you know and he was talking about famous people that we would all consider to be super rich or whatever they were like trying to sell their cars trying to sell stuff to him like hey can you buy this from me like because they need the cash and he was like oh a lot of these guys are their houses their foundations just are built on straw even though it looks like they're built on brick you know what i mean or concrete makes sense so i guess uh, just to summarize uh, and then and and the podcast like what where do you think this is going in terms of china specifically all these rules that they're adding you know the with the lockdowns and then stuff with the foreigners where do you think this is going is it a situation where it's going to go to a stage where there's no foreigners in china or like a just a very 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 small percentage of foreigners in china like Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, it's not fully confirmed, but most likely uh, I'm going to go back to Thailand later this year. I mean, honestly, it was always, it's not like, honestly, it was always the plan. It just got delayed because of the coronavirus. So I don't know if I really count, but yeah, I think the one somewhat positive is there's less foreigners here and the Chinese, there are Chinese that want to work with foreigners Mm -hmm. and there's just less opportunity for them to work with foreigners for, of course, like like especially for me like marketing and consulting and 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 business development they they don't have these they're really really isolated now more than ever right they they can't just get this fresh batch of inbound lawai to do various projects of course maybe the government or certain Chinese people think they don't need foreigners but i i think there's still a considerable amount of chinese that do appreciate and want to collaborate work with do business with learn from uh, as well. foreigners right but i just feel yeah. like the border is not, not going to open for a while I, I don't know i mean some people think still more years more i don't even want to pick a date anymore but all i know is i'm trying to get crazy. back to thailand and i i'm not like thinking i'm going to be able to come back here easily again for a while i'm yeah. just maybe going to meet some people here that i do business with before i go make sure they understand as much as I can, of course, at FaceTime if I can. And then, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just going to be a walled off garden for who knows how long, you know, it's sealed off. I don't know if there's a it's purpose of this or not, but it just seems like it's going to be like that longer. It's interesting. Is like going back to the 1980s. And, uh, yeah, exactly. Right. It's really going back. It's like, yeah, closed off. Closed it feels off like from, we were never obviously around for that, but yeah. I mean, that makes it obviously I feel somewhat valuable because I'm here and I can do stuff, but it's just so isolated hmm. and cut off and uh, controlled, you know? 
And yeah. I hear even Chinese people want to get out of here. I've heard there's even more and more ways that I th- it looks like government doesn't want. Of course, government doesn't want people to leave, at least local Chinese not to leave. And there seems like there's more and more policies that are making it harder to leave. It's wild. It's wild. Just, to, I guess, to close off from a business standpoint, how do you think this is going to affect business in China, uh, manufacturing, export? Because one of the things that China Mike has been paranoid about is how this is going to affect our business in the future. So, I mean, that, that's a big part of the reason why we've been creating digital assets and and like a digital summit. And, and now we're, we're launching a Discord chat as well, uh, which Mike, uh, if you're in, Mike Lini, if you're interested in, we can we can grandfather you in. But uh, yeah, just like uh, what, uh, how do you think it's going to affect business in China? I mean, that's why I think, you know, I think we both talked about about this in previous shows you know we don't ever want to be reliant on one channel one country one one model right but it's i don't know i mean i know people have always even before covid been trying to move out of china i know you know both their business and physically but it's just some of it's like i don't know i don't want to say impossible but five ten years of work to move out you know but that's why i, I i'm trying to build brands you know brands I think it's the most valuable thing and brands can make product anywhere. People buy brands, right? Personal brands, product brands, service brands, whatever it is, it's the brand, right? Um, factories are trying to move to brands, you know, to, uh, to do some projects with some, of course, they have to be the right fit for these factories, but I'm working with just one or two factories now that are building brands because they realize that they're just trying to get, B2B customers that order from then, they know that's going to get harder. So I think, you know, you can even see the same with the roll-up funds of the Amazons buying brands. So I always tell people, I've been telling people even before I came to China, build a brand, whether it's a service brand or a product brand or a personal brand. And of course, protect that brand and and you know, do whatever it takes to keep that brand image good. And then you can do anything anywhere. Of course, I'm trying to diversify but the brand is the most important and that's why I love making content and, and communities. But of course I'm trying to figure out how to diversify even more. You know, it's been really hard. I used to do the events, like you mentioned earlier, uh-huh. I haven't done like a prop book. We're going to do an online event, June 16th, 17th, a little bit offline, maybe in Shenzhen, like talking about just 10, 15 people in a room, like maybe eating uh, with the screen on or something, but we've all adapted. So that's why I'm, I'm moving, uh, making, another product brand most is made in china but you know of course it'll be hard to move your supply chain but if you're a good brand you will be able to if you have to i don't know if that's a straight answer or not no i think that's a good enough answer i think diversifying is is pretty much the the answer right is like don't be reliant 100 percent on china because we don't know what's going to happen i mean it even goes down to like just having multiple products or multiple channels don't you know of course the easiest and strongest way to grow is like one channel like one product but as soon as you can go either multi-product multi-channel you know we talk about this whether it's amazon and website or ebay you know or buying from different factories different country factories right i mean i know it makes it more difficult but also makes it more valuable and safer yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, I think that's with any business, like even with us, right? Like we have um, diversified in the sense of like launching the Discord, the digital summit, plus the course. Of course, we still do the source, even in the sourcing business, like 
before, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, what's your niche? What's your niche? We never really had a niche. We had some areas that we had a lot of experience in, but we always tried to work with a wide variety of different products. So we built a network and all this stuff for different things. And, and our focus was more on how do we evaluate factories and manage factories rather than being the expert in a certain type of product. You know what I mean? And even within that course, like we've added like, okay, designers and things like that. So just different spaces that we can work with. And I think that from a manufacturing standpoint, for any, any of the listeners, yes, the culture might be different in other countries, but the process is still going to be similar in terms of how you make a product. Like if you're doing CNC, 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 whatever country you're in. So that's that aspect. So for, from our standpoint, we're trying to also diversify in terms of factories around Asia. It's going to be a little bit easier now that things are opening up. It was difficult to diversify in the past couple of years. But yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And like you said, like I, I've, I think we even in, in your shows or even in, I think some of the topics we've done in your, in uh, your program, but a brand doesn't have to just be a product brand or a service brand or a personal branding. You know, you, you can add services like you're doing, you have services, you can have physical products, you can add digital products. Right. So I think wh- whether anybody listening is an Amazon seller or a service provider or a marketing consultant, you can kind of add those different types of channels to your existing business. Hey, so Michelini, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you wanted to touch on? I think we kind of covered it. I, I mean, I hope I wasn't too neutral, you know, but I basically it's just, you got to, I think Chinese and foreigners in China know they got to be a little bit more careful what they say and do, which mm-hmm. is not cool. Right. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, the world is getting more fragmented. I think in general people, there's less digital nomads is kind of not, it's becoming somewhat of an, you know, not as common of a word, at least for me, but I guess I'm seeing people traveling around. Maybe it's just, I'm just in this China bubble, I guess, but at least traveling in and out of China is cut off for quite a while. It seems. No, it's unfortunate, man, because like I really did. I mean, I spent five years there overall. My experiences in China have been positive, extremely positive. Obviously I wouldn't be running my company if it wasn't for that. Most Chinese people that I met were great people, nice, friendly, welcoming, warm, and it's just kind of like a weird thing because it's like i i can't go there not like it's so strange you know it's so strange to me that it's like this but as we have to figure it out you know life gives you lemons you gotta make lemonade it's a big old uh, expression but anyways man thanks uh where can people reach out to you yeah i think you know the the park i guess for me is the podcast global from asia also social media i don't even know anymore i mean twitter has been fun for me it's a little bit more on web3 stuff but you know i think globalformasia.com is maybe the best place for people to check me out and connect we gotta do a podcast about the web 3.0 stuff sure it's even still complicated and new for even me but i can try my best to do it (laughs) cheers man and of course if you're gonna reach out to us that's podcast at sourcefindasia.com of course, the podcast is on all podcast platforms, sourcefinasia.com slash meet in China. And we have a YouTube, sourcefinasia, all one word, Instagram, at sourcefinasia. And I'll check you guys out soon. Cheers.